for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Not going to lie, kind of wish we had the last 10 or 15 minutes recorded. A very nuanced discussion. <laughs> nuanced discussion about music. What we listen to, what we don't. Why people, shitting on Pearl Jam. Why people mostly. listen to music. Yeah. Matt explaining why he doesn't like rap. Oh, oh. I, I shouldn't say I don't like, like rap. I just don't listen to it. That'd probably be a better way to put it. Because why? It's not for me. Yes. That's, yeah. Yeah. Like literally, and I don't mean like, ah, oh, it's just not for me. I mean like, no, that music was not made with me as the intended listener. Yeah. That's what I mean. You can you can listen. Doesn't and mean I can't appreciate some of it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm. Uh, you were giving me a, a kind of like a third eye look. Like, what is he doing ordering the uh, Miller Lite? And uh, I was. I was like, IPA. are you so cheap nope. that you won't get the? Because you're so, like, I want a sample no. of a beer. Like, what you just want the free sample because you can't pay no. for it? No. I, no. I mean, it's no, not a I'm sample not worried, if you already know what it tastes no, I'm like. Not worried about that. No, I got a Miller Lite and an Adele IPA, which is one of my favorite IPAs. And I love you're IPAs. Mixing them together. I am because here's why. Because my uncle, who is too cheap sometimes to buy. Uh, t- my uncle did an experiment, my uncle Jeff, in Lincoln. He's retired, quote-unquote, and uh, he spends a lot of his time at, at bars, and he's cheap. And he, uh, and therefore, he usually will drink pitchers upon pitchers that are on special, of course, of Bud Light, Bush Light, Miller Light, whatever. And, uh, but he also does enjoy IPAs, beers with fruit, beers with hops, and he just decided to have himself, uh, 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 but he doesn't like to pay for them. So he bought some Natty Ice, no, not nat- some Natural Light, Took it home and then ordered some ap- apricot extract, like online, shipped to his house so he could put droplets. Because not only is he too cheap to drink a bunch of IPAs, which are definitely more expensive, uh-huh. he also just thinks they're a little too heavy in the fruit, in the sugar, in the hops. And he just wanted to try a little experiment. And he really liked the uh, like 10 droplets of the IPA or the extract into his... Uh, into his light beer. So I could see the wheels are spinning in your head, but I'm going to try it. I just took a sample, just a just a little, tiny little tiny little few drops of Odell's IPA, put it in the middle of the light. We're going to see how that tastes, see if it's the best of both worlds, a little cleaner uh, taste just to it. Just fucking drink it. It's mostly Miller Lite. you got to put more <laughs> IPA in there to Maybe really, give it a little stir. I don't know what he's talking about, 10 droplets. I need more than that to taste the IPA. Anyway, they're both great. Plenty of beers on tap here at the Gateway Lounge. Come on down. Good to see you. Matt's, of course, got his Budweiser. How often do you ever, by the way, try do anything else besides Budweiser when it comes to beer? Um, How many times a year? Four or five. Four or five. And usually when I do, I'm like, why did I do this? <laughs> Any other beer? I just, and not because I don't like what I end up getting instead. It's just I'll go to the liquor store and something will just look good on the shelf. I'm like, yeah, try, try this. And... I'll be the first to admit the main reason is because I like to drink them like ten at a time, mm-hmm. and it's a lot harder to drink, you know, ten Surly oh. Furiouses oh, than yeah. ten Budweisers. So, so you don't mind the IPAs here and there. I'm not a real big fan of the IPAs. Uh, Jen bought me a twelve pack of Summit the other day just because it was the twins cans. Yeah, the extra pale ale, the EPAs. Uh, no, it might have. I think it wasn't an IPA, so it must have been that. Okay. Um, it, and it was it good. Been it was Summit fine. Pale ale. Yeah. But I was like, uh, I was like, uh. It's cool because they're twins cans, but I'll drink one a day for the next two weeks, and you know, be drinking Budweiser the rest of the time. Yeah. So, to each their own. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I enjoy an IPA. I don't want to drink any more than two at a time. I mean, it's yeah, it uh, fills you up pretty fast. Yeah. All right. So, we got a full uh, slate of things to talk about since our last uh, get together a couple of weeks ago. Uh, did you did you agree what I had uh, at the top of my list when I texted you today? Baylor Shireman, we want to lead with that. That's I mean, kinda... based on you know the more I don't know if you've seen more news has come out today that I have. He's apparently the most highly coveted transfer in the history of the portal. I saw that last night in the history of the portal. Last according night, to Jeff Goodman, that's like, who's kind of yeah. the premier college basketball yeah, reporter. He knows he knows some and, things. And uh, I mean, Jeff has had a pretty 
big hard on for the Jacks and Baylor since the middle of the season. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting that he's like biased or can't be trusted or whatever. But I mean, like he's been on the Jackrabbit train since long before any of this. Um, but uh, Baylor's agent told a reporter for the Athletic today, and I'm assuming told told Jeff Goodman too. Here, I, I took a screenshot of the list. Okay. I mean, people have already seen it by now, but while, anyway. While like, you're looking. I, Duke, like, okay. Kentucky, Kansas, Baylor, oh. Gonzaga, North Carolina, UCLA, Michigan State, Louisville, Maryland, Creighton, Wisconsin, Florida, West Virginia, Oregon, Texas, BYU, Texas Tech, Alabama, Wake Forest, Texas A&M, Clemson, and more. That's everyone. These, that are, is, that's everyone. these are his suitors? Yes. Okay. That he. These are people that what, have reached out have, have or expressed or, interest. Okay. I, well, you know what? I'm not terribly surprised. I'm not either. And of course, and of course, initially the Husker fan in me, the second it came out, and I saw plenty of responses to it. You know, come on home. And then of course there were plenty of don't go to that trash home state team. And I would love to have him. But then at the at second thought, I was also kind of like, I think Baylor Shireman's too good for Nebraska right now. Yeah. Um, there's mean, a ten. He definitely gets to play. We still have a tendency to think in local terms yep. with local guys. Like, oh, so he's going to go to Iowa or Minnesota, you know, like, no. And Iowa State even made sense because T.J. Otzenberg is the guy who recruited him Absolutely. out of high school. But uh, <laughs> I was told right away, like, yeah, no, he's thinking much bigger than that. And based on this list we've seen now, yeah, Nebraska and Iowa State are not going to be – candidates right. they are nowhere near I, I promise you he will not end up at one of those schools yeah I yeah I mean you got to either get really lucky like a kid just really wants to he's got to be a home state kid who wants to stay home and you just got or right come but back if it was home. any of that he was just he would you, just stay at SDSU you gotta, you, I mean it's not like he didn't yeah. like it at SDSU right you know? and and uh, so it made, but it made me think I'm not terribly surprised he's that good it confirms he's that good I th- I hope we're past the point that any Jackrabbit fan would be mad at this uh uh, already have some sort of angst toward the kid and bemoaning the transfer portal and nobody's loyal these days. I don't see anyone really mad at Baylor. There's oh, a, there's been a lot Jesus. of God damn it, the portal's ruining college fo- no, it's, basketball. It's ruining college football. No, it's not. Well, I, I'm certainly not ready to go there. Okay, yeah, but I I'm do think you know it. it, it's certainly not going to be bad for Baylor Shireman. I mean, we just he's gonna yeah. not only is he going to end up going to Kentucky or Kansas or something like that, he's also going to be rich. Yeah. Part of the reason he's doing this is the NIL opportunities, and he's going to get a six-figure deal wherever he goes. So he's going to have serious money in the bank before he even plays professional basketball. So no one needs to feel sorry for, for Baylor Shireman or anything like that. Um, but there are a lot of kids who, you know, Gino Ariema gave the speech about it a month ago. Like, there's 1,500 kids in the portal. How many available scholarships are there in the whole country, let alone Division One? I? I don't even know what the number is, but it ain't 1,500. We're going to see, I mean, obviously it's doing damage to mid-major and low-major, what if that's even a thing, low Division One, Division Two. those schools are the ones that are getting hurt the most because now what has happened essentially is mid-major teams and to a lesser extent D2 teams have just become farm teams yeah, for the major schools. that's fair. You know, they can sw- swing and miss all they want on recruiting and just go, oh, okay, uh, I guess this four-star guy sucked. And this two-star guy that went to SDSU turned out to be pretty awesome. Hey, Mike Dom, Baylor Shireman, Matt Mooney, Stanley Amude, why don't you come up and play for Duke? You know, And, and there's not a lot you can do about that if you're Eric Henderson or, or whoever else. And is that something that's going to be need to be addressed in the near or short-term or long-term future? I don't know. I mean, you know, I, you ask any coach, what do you think about this? And I had a lengthy conversation with Hendo about it just yesterday. And – Everyone's kind of like, I don't know. This is brand new. We're still figuring it out. Yep. The landscape changes every day. I mean, this used to used to be just the grad transfer rule, yeah. which was enough of a problem. It's like, oh, we we develop a guy for four years and then he leaves. How are we going to work around this? Yeah. Well, then they add in the free one year transfer thing that you know that make, you thought the grant transfer thing was bad. Now there's this. Yeah. Then you throw in the NIL thing, which at first I think everyone just kind of went. Well, okay, that's a good thing, you know. Now Baylor can yeah. go over to Applebee's and, you know, film a 10-second commercial and, you know, get some money in his pocket. I don't think anyone envisioned that being a, a lucrative you know, opportunity. Uh, this kid that is going to uh, Miami, he's got the same agent as Baylor Shireman. He just signed an $800,000 NIL contract. I've never even heard of the kid. Um, you know, how do you compete with that? Yeah. that? That's more money than Eric Henderson makes, you know. It's... So everyone's kind of sitting here going, 
we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how this is going to affect college sports. And obviously, it's not just basketball. It's football, you know, to a lesser extent, some other sports. But um, I'm not ready to say that, you know, the, the, the transfer portal is bad for, for college sports. It's ruining it. Or any of the other things, the NIL, any of that. I mean, anything that favors the athletes, I'm in favor of. You know, the NCAA has been a vampire on these kids for 100 years. I'm supposed to suddenly feel sorry for whoever that these players are finally having some agency over their careers. Now, having said that, if you're a fan, you get stuck in the middle mm-hmm. because you, you do you root for these kids and you like these kids and you want them to be successful. But you're also a fan of your team. If you're an SDSU fan right now, you're going, ah, but, you know, you don't know how to feel. Yeah, you you, you want to be mad at Baylor Shireman, kind of, but you also are like, well, fuck, what would I do? I get it, but at the same time, like, cool, we were going to have the best team in mid-major basketball next year, and now you bailed. You know, now it's going to be that much harder for us to win an NCAA tournament game. Are you mad at Baylor? Not necessarily. Are you mad at the rules, the transfer portal, the NIL stuff? Maybe, but is that selfish? Yeah, a little bit. It's just really hard. I don't know that there's a villain in this story. Right. That's the problem. Well, I mean. Dr. Seuss, be what was it? Don't be sad. It's over. Be glad it happened. Yeah. You should be thanking your lucky. St- now you, now you have been confirmed. Wherever he chooses, you have all these suitors who are interested in him. It's been confirmed how lucky at South Dakota State right. you were to have a talent of this kind. And maybe it is tougher to appreciate it while he's there, even though you're watching how electrifying mm-hmm. and amazing of a player he is, because there is a party that does say he's. Ours, he's at South Dakota State. Mm-hmm. I mean, we found a gem, but you're still kind of like, he's at South Dakota State, so you don't think like he's good enough to play at Duke or at least good enough for Duke or Kansas or who, mm-hmm. uh, everything mm-hmm. you just said mm-hmm. to want him. And now it's confirmed, and so you should feel lucky that you had him. And was it a better day and age at SDSU or Creighton or Nebraska or anywhere else? Indiana State with Larry Bird. I mean, would Larry Bird have stayed at Indiana State? <laughs> you know, I mean, to, yes, of course the days were better when players and groups of players, like the even the Fab Five, I think four of them stayed for three years. I think Chris Weber was the only one that bailed after two years. Um you know, stay together. That's of course that's more fun and easier to keep track of and better for everybody. For the that's yes, that was better. That's when college basketball was better. When they they, they didn't have the opportunity to do these things, they had to sit out a year. Mm-hmm. The only thing they really could do was leave for the NBA, but not another school. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, that's a better thing for the fans. I mean, you said it for the players. I, you know, I don't know what's best for them, but UMKC's coach just left and and just just bailed when he had. Uh, I think I, I I read something he like the day before he had welcomed in a new. Uh, the guy from USD, Boogie, what's Thank his name? You. Yeah. There you go. I mean, so if coaches can do it, then why can't players do it? And uh, and compensation is a tough thing to figure out. But uh, and is it is it does it feel like it's getting out of hand? Sure, it's of course it feels like we're we've already jumped the shark because this was supposed to be oh they as you mentioned the Applebee's example they could just mm-hmm. go do that and they they deserve to make a little scratch. They're contributing and getting nothing out of it. And when and when you say the NCAA has been van, what what I think most people would understand. But there, there are still some people, probably some people still listening, going, this is all bullshit. They should all still be amateurs. and we're well, pay- What do you mean the NCAA has been vampires well, for I mean, people who don't it's, know? It's, it's literally, we all know that the money in the NCAA tournament, the TV money, all that stuff, is you know it's in the billions. Yep. And until recently, the players got none of that. Literally yep. none of that. But come oh, they got a free education. Yeah. They got these trips everywhere. They got all this free swag. Yeah, and the athletic director and the assistant athletic director and the associate athletic director and these bloated athletic staff of people that how many of them are necessary and what are the, what's all their salaries mm-hmm. you know what are I mean I, I could go on and on yeah uh, the big thing is if, if you're if you're you know still insistent that you know the, the players shouldn't be compensated or that what the NCAA was doing prior to these rule changes was was fair is I'd use Mike Dom as a perfect example he became as famous certainly as anyone ever has around here, mm-hmm. um, and even I think reached a certain level of fame nationally. I mean, he was pretty close to a household name with his career at SDSU, but he wasn't good enough to make it to the NBA. So he got everything out of it except the mo- he didn't make any money out of it. Now he's in Europe right now, probably making a, a good salary Six playing basketball. Figures, maybe, yeah. yeah, but I mean it's nothing outrageous, right? And if he had the level of 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 fame again, for lack of a better word. Um, he would have been able to cash in on that, you know. Or to use a better example, someone from a, a major a major school. Someone say someone I don't have a name off the top of my head, but someone who played at at Duke or Kentucky, who was good enough to be you know like a starter at that program and become a well known name in basketball, but wasn't good enough to play in the NBA. You know, 
how much money did that school make because of that guy's contribution? How much money did the NCAA make for this guy who was a four-year starter at Kentucky or yeah. Kansas or whatever? But then after school was over, he went and got a job, you know, in the private oh, sector doing nothing. There's, there's a billion. I'm, there's I'm not a saying you have to feel sorry for those people necessarily, yeah. but that was not. They were not compensated for what they produced, what they gave to these universities. All this money comes and just well, they don't get any of it. And these universities go well. They especially with football. I mean, the NCAA tournament basketball is one thing, uh, but. Uh, I mean, with the with the Big Ten, I, I I don't know what the most recent number is, but the, like fifty at least fifty million dollars per school from the TV deal, and none of it at the and none of that money goes to the players. And right. so, what does it go to? That's an unfathomable amount of money lopped on. If you're a place like Nebraska or LSU, Alabama sells out every game and can mm-hmm. keep raising ticket prices because you know people are going to go, and you're making plenty of money off of that too. Then, okay, where does that mo- where does all that money you make go to? Facilities. Right. Okay, yes, better places for these kids to hang out. A lot of good things for the kids, sure, that are free for them, but and they get treated like kings. On I get it. But it's like they, they don't know what to do with all this money, and right. they give it to the coaches who are well, making and, too much. And then we haven't even touched on – it's bad enough to, like, okay, not only can you not t- take any money or make any money off of all this, but then all the stupid rules that they inflicted on them too, like, oh, if you if, – if some – if your teacher buys you lunch or something, then you're, you know, suspended or NCAA, all right. the different NCAA violations they came up with. I mean, it – eventually became very draconian and it's kind of like why are you trying so hard to fuck these kids like come on if the coach wants to buy him lunch at burger king he should be able to buy him lunch at burger king right well and i think a lot of coaches a not not because they're quote-unquote cheating or want to cheat or 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 to even get a recruiting advantage but it's kind of like there are maybe there are actually some good-natured uh human beings who are coaches who are like wow i make too way too much fucking money i should be able to take right. this kid out right. to eat or right. even buy him a jacket buy, right. you know right. whatever yeah. not a jacket they don't need jackets but you know what i mean um so it, it, and here's another deal since we since we went big picture on this i also get a chuckle out of any college basketball coach who com- coach who complains about the transfer portal who complains that now kids don't have to sit out a year they don't get penalized whatsoever have you heard any do ship. it though I, you know, I, I, I can, like, Tim Miles was a guy, I just remember a few years ago, who, bemo- I remember him bemoaning it, and he was a very forward-thinking, progressive, player-first kind of guy. Um, they, but, okay, so if any of them still do, um, guess, I mean, the hypocrisy is pretty obvious Of course, there. they can yeah. leave anytime they want, and, uh, and also, same time, they can, they also can gut their rosters all they want as well. That happens That's all the That's the other time. thing. We talk about, oh, they get a free education. Yeah, until the coach decides to pull your scholarship yeah, and yeah, replace yeah, it with somebody yeah, else. Yeah, I mean, this, these conversations we know happen everywhere, probably right. at the Division two and NAI level. To sit down with the kid after the season, just to let you know. I mean, we're bringing in these other yeah. folks. Yeah. I just you, you're, Your Thank chances you, of playing. Tim Miles has talked about this happening at Nebraska to a guy named Benny Parker on his first team that he inherited. He just sat the kid down. Just, you can, I just, you're not going to play much next year. Uh, I mean, it's going to take a miracle for you to play very much. So, I mean, it, it's okay if you leave because you have other plenty of other places where you can play more. That kid's case, he, he had the whole chip on his shoulder thing and actually muscled his way into the starting lineup and became a fan favorite. But most kids are like, they see, okay, I'll leave. Mm-hmm. So some of these kids who are transferring, it's partly because they've been told, um, you know, they don't well, have a future. I'll give you an there. example, and I'm, I won't tell you who it is, but – I knew of a coach before the grad transfer rule came about who used to take his uh, – and it was it was not – it wasn't basketball, so it was a sport where there were far fewer scholarships than players available. Okay. When his players would become seniors, he would pull their scholarship and give it to an underclassman. Yeah. Because the se- once you're a senior, you have nowhere to go. This was before the grad transfer rule. So if you had to transfer somewhere, you, you had to sit out a year, you're done. Yeah. So he would get his players would get to be a senior, and he'd take away their scholarship. And they'd go, what the fuck are you doing? He'd be like, what are you going to do about it? I'm trying to win here. Mm-hmm. And he would give that scholarship to a freshman, and those seniors were stuck with either play your senior year and pay for it or yeah. be done, essentially. Wow. I mean, yeah. and that's one of the worst things I've ever heard, and I think that guy, um, it's a miracle to me that that never came to light that he was doing it. But um, 
that's the kind of thing that again until these changes in rules yeah. players had had no alternative to somehow they're just yeah. fucked yeah i just I, i'm just not in on the assertion that's ruining everything that hopefully some way it will be modified and regulated you can't by do that who? anymore because of the yeah. transfer rules right there yes exactly that's one yeah that's one thing that's good about it yeah. um but yeah i mean is it ridiculous that it feels like schools are doing every which way to loosely interpret the rules that it's going to like basically the richest schools with the most money are going to get the best yes but that's already been going on like mm-hmm. A lot of the schools that are already winning and on top, football and basketball, they're already the big money schools anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, yes, money does can buy you or help buy you championships. And the other part of I was going to say about the any coach who any basketball coach who would complain about this, that's part that's that's partly out of laziness. And here's what I mean by that. It's like, oh God, I got I got to work harder to find to keep yeah. filling up spots on my. You have 12 players, 15 players tops to keep track of. Football coaches have to keep track of and keep finding new, right. like like 100 guys, right. maybe five on scholarship if you're Division yeah. One, 63 if you're yeah, FCS. That's true. Basketball, what do you have to do? Oh, you poor thing. You have basically you have 15 employees. Oh, one of them, right. maybe three or four right. of them left. Oh, gee, how oh how strenuous it is to go out and find new ones. Right. You know, I'm, and I'm not saying it's not a tough. Well, and job. again, we just said that there's 1,500 yeah. kids in the portal. There's someone out there. Exactly. You know. And yeah, and some of them go back to school. Like these kids, I don't think we've we've talked since the guys from USD went back. But I'll stay on Baylor because I just want to circle it back to okay, it'll be interesting to see what happens next. And also, how did this come about? One day, uh, one week, he's uh, uh, getting his evaluations from. I'm guessing NBA scouts mm-hmm. makes himself eligible. We all knew that's just exploratory. He can come crawling back anytime he wants. So I guess the 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 common uh, layman's dot to connect is he must have been told maybe you're not quite ready for this level yet, but you ought to go. You are good enough to to play at a higher level, and you ought to go play there so you'll have a better shot next year. Um, do, you, th- do you know the backstory to a, how this? A little. I think that there's definitely some of that. Um, I don't know if you read the story I did with Baylor last week when I talked to him, uh, but he was much. He was very, very adamant. He was like, "This is not just an exploratory thing." The entering the draft. He's like, "I want to get drafted this year. That's why I chose the agent I did. That's why I, you know." And Hendo was very much on board with him. You know, he was like, "Yeah, let's do this. You know, go in and I'll, you know, if we're gonna do it, do it all the way." And he said, "No, that doesn't mean like I'm trying to get the hell out of SDSU." You know, he made it very clear, like I like it there. You know, if that's where I end up going, and he, and he also made it sound like he had every intention of going back to SDSU if he decided he was going to pull out of the draft. So yes, I think at some point between what eight or nine days ago that I talked to him and this announcement, someone said to him, uh, "Yeah, we're maybe not all that impressed by what you're doing at SDSU. If you want to play in the NBA, prove it at a, at a higher level." I think it's possible that came about. But then you look at who is recruiting him right now. That kind of tells you that, you know, he's legit, whether he's playing in the Summit League or not. If all those schools, basically every college in America wants him, I think that means he is legit. So I think what a, a greater, because, and again, I mentioned he has the same agent as this kid who just signed an $800,000 contract. I think that had more to do with it. I think it was recognizing that, okay, because he still, he hasn't pulled out of the NBA draft yet. He's still. He could he could in theory commit to Kentucky today, mm-hmm. and then still b- decide no I'm staying in the draft and never end up playing for Kentucky. Um, he could do something like that. He still wants to stay in the draft. That is still his top priority. He wants to get drafted right now. But I think he recognized okay, yeah, there's the the idea of getting a higher level of competition if I come back to school. But I think less than higher or less than it, the competition it was more about hey the nil opportunities if i go to another school yeah. like that are going to be a lot higher. yeah they can't be lost in this but also just your stock goes up with nba folks whether it's for now or for next year all of a sudden because nba because because nba scouts might go oh all these schools want him he must mm-hmm. be high level so right that's but but also back if he does end up going to a school like that um, it, it could backfire. Of course. You know, I remember having a conversation with Mike Dom's mother when Mike was a junior, and we were talking about, you know, what are his NBA prospects, and you may or may not remember, I mean, Mike Dom's mom was a sharp cookie. She mm-hmm. played professional basketball herself. Yes. She was very involved in all that, and, and she was very candid with me when I talked, asked him, asked her about it, and she's like, well, you know, because there was, there was all these rumors that he was going to grad transfer somewhere. You know, because he had redshirted at SDSU, so he had his degree after four years. He ended up, he also declared for the draft early, but Mike was a little more 
like Baylor's like, I want to get drafted. Mike was much more like, I just want to go see what they say, you know. And it seemed like he was kind of saying, I'm probably going to come back. But then we all wondered, okay, is he going to come back to SDSU or is he going to pull out of the draft and then grad transfer because yeah. he had that option? Yes. He ended up coming back to SDSU and he made it seem all along like that's where his heart was. He was a loyalty guy and he wanted to play there. But one thing I remember his mom saying to me, and, and she wasn't saying it like she thought this was going to happen. She was just kind of throwing it out there as a scenario. But she was like, what if he transfers to Michigan or you know some Big Ten, Big 12 school and averages eight points a game? Yeah. And and just is is just another guy. Then all of a sudden, maybe the NBA isn't interested anymore. Yeah. And again, I want to stress that wasn't Mike Tom's own mother saying she wasn't confident in him. But but she was just saying like that's one of the possibilities. Well, shit, shit happens. Exactly. Well, I'm just saying that same thing could happen to Baylor. Yeah. I mean, I don't think like you said. You look at the list of schools that's after him right now, and I think there would have been a similar list of suitors if Mike Dom had entered the portal too or grad transferred at the time. But you never know. I mean, Baylor could go to another school in in a major conference and and not play as well, and then yeah. be done. To, yeah. I mean, but to then s- you've got that nil money to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Well, to say I watch it know enough about all those teams you rattled off some of the best in college basketball uh and and where they are at who's leaving who's staying there where he would fit would he play right away would he be a starter would he be a star we don't know i think he's assessing all of that as well because probably not worth it to go somewhere where you're only going to play 20 minutes a game and Mm -hmm. maybe average eight or nine points a game um so i it kind of feels like a win-win for him if it doesn't because does he have two years of eligibility left he does but he's made it pretty clear that he's not this is it i'd be surprised if he did that well if so if that's the case maybe if he goes to Kansas or Kentucky or something and has an average year, then maybe he decides, eh, I'm going to try one more year, but I don't, uh, you know. Because I think you and I were talking about him not too long ago saying that he could go to, he could go to South Dakota State for another year and then have another dominant season and then one last shot if he wants to stay in college, go to you know, do that grant, quote-unquote grant uh-huh. transfer year like Matt Mooney did. He told me he wasn't going to do that. Okay. He told me that I'm going to try to enter the draft if that doesn't happen, I'm going to come back to SDSU. Okay. And then after that year, I'd enter the draft again and just stay in no matter what. So anyway, there's circumstances have changed, obviously. So what chances do you think that there are of him staying at SDSU? Right now? Looking at this whole field None. in front of him. Zero. Okay. He's going to go somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Um, is that by do, – do you know that or is that just by uh, logic? I've asked some people close to the program and I've – yeah, he's not coming back. Got it. Okay. Uh, so where does that leave them? I mean, uh, how go- I mean, they're still pretty damn good. They still got some returning I mean, studs. They, they replace them with Mike or Matthew Moore's. Although Matthew Morris is technically replacing Doug Wilson. That's the other first thought I had about this. Is did how? And, and it's more of a question for you. Uh, to, sorry to stop you in your tracks, but did, is this something Matthew Morris may have known or known was a possibility? Not that those two couldn't be dynamic on the floor together with the other pieces that SDSU has. That'd be amazing. There's maybe there is plenty of ball to go around. They were the highest scoring team in the nation with about three studs last year. Uh, but at Matthew the same was time, looking forward to playing with Baylor. Okay, thank you. And I think Baylor was looking forward to potentially playing with Matthew. I certainly don't think Baylor bailed because he's like, oh, there's this D1 stud coming in to uh, move in on my territory. I meant the other way around. I know. Maybe, I know. Okay. I know. Okay. I'm just saying I'm, I, I don't think either one was the case. Got it. Um, and, I, you know, when I talked to Hendo last week, he was licking his chops at the idea of having Baylor and Moores on the court at the same time. And that's why he's bummed now. You know, sure. I, I talked to Hendo yesterday for a long time, and he was like, he's just bummed is the best way to put it. Yeah. He's not mad. He's just bummed. Yeah. You know, he's like, geez. You know, I, I, you know, I thought that worst case scenario was he goes to the NBA, you know, and if he didn't go to the NBA, he'd come back to us. This, I don't think he thought this was on the table. Okay. So that's unfortunate. And he said, yeah, God damn. I was <laughs> – He's like, yeah, I was really looking forward to seeing how those two could play together. They still feel pretty good about the team they're going to have. They're probably still going to be the best team in the Summit League. I mean, if they had Baylor and Morris, they're going to be by far the best team in the Summit League. Mm-hmm. By far. Yeah. Um, you take Baylor away from that equation, that's a huge blow because he's such a good player. And, you t- and Doug Wilson's gone, right? Doug he's Wilson's done. Gone. But so. yeah, Morris steps in, and they've got a great class of incoming freshmen. Zeke Mayo is going to be a year older. You know, he's still got Charlie Easley and Alex Arians and Matt Dentlinger and Luke Apple. I mean, that's a loaded team. And Hendo, at this point, I think we can say he's a pretty decent coach, pretty decent offensive yeah. mind, Yeah. however that and, works. Uh, I do think – I asked him, I said, so do you do you guys look in the portal now for a replacement for, for Baylor? And he was kind of like, eh. You know, it's like we're always looking at the portal, like whether people are coming and going or not. Yeah. And so – I, I yep. kind of think it's they have an open scholarship now. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's likely they will end up adding someone from the portal at this point, but I wouldn't hold my breath that it's going to be some big shot impact player right. that's going to come in and, you know, change the face of the team. Well, uh, regardless, I'm sure USD fans, whether they wanted to admit it or not, br br breathed a little bit, a little exhale, a little, okay, some, some gift to us via well, somebody I think if, else. If you're a USD you fan, Baylor Shireman anymore. I think if you're a USD fan, the bigger side of this is like, hey, it finally happened to you guys too. Yeah, and I don't. I don't mean that even with with any sort of uh, animosity or angst. Although there obviously is from some portions of the fan base, I just mean until this, SDSU has kind of been able to avoid the the transfer portal, and that's pissed off a lot of people in the summer league, not just USD fans. Like, cool. How come these guys are so great that no one leaves? You know, my Dom didn't leave. Doug Wilson didn't leave. And I think you could make a strong case that they're just a better program. You know, they have a, the kind of fan support and all this other stuff that people just don't want to leave. They feel like they can stay there and win and do whatever. But then I think you look at the Mike Dom situation and then compare it to, say, Matt Mooney or some other guys around the league. You know, would Mike Dom do it over if he could do it again? I, I don't know. Maybe he would. Maybe if he had grad transferred to a Big Ten school, yeah. he would be in the NBA right now. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. But I just, at some point, someone, whether it's Baylor Shireman or someone else, was probably going to recognize, hey, it's nothing against SDSU, but this is too good of an opportunity. I have played myself up to a level where I need to go somewhere else. And Baylor was that guy. And it's probably good for SDSU's fan base to get a little bit of a kick upside the head and go, hey, welcome to the real world. This is what it's like to be a fan of all the other teams in the Summit League. You know, you guys aren't perfect. I know you like to think you are, but yeah. at some point right. this was going to happen to you too. And plus, and now it has. yeah, and plus during this time, you know, Archimbo is coming back, Cruz is coming back, uh, AJ still hasn't left, still hasn't gone to West Virginia with his mom, yeah. so it looks like he's coming back. So at the moment, we'll assume that's the case. And you know, they were they were pretty good and up and comers this past year. Coming back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and this definitely and levels the playing field. I mean, this narrows the gap between those two schools for how much? I don't know. Hard to say, but. Uh, it certainly doesn't hurt USD's case, but they did get hurt on the women's side. Now all five of their starters from their Sweet 16 team are gone. Of course, you had the three graduates, the three big yeah. guns in Shervin, Lamb, and Corn Gable. And now uh, not only is Kaya Watson going to West Virginia with Don Plitzowite, but this you know this felt bizarre that Maddie Kroll, who averaged nine points a game, nice player, but like the fourth or fifth option on that team, Going to Nebraska. I mean, even, you know. I, I get mean, it. Okay, explain. Because SD, SDSU is going to be far better than them this year. They have everybody back, and USD's got a new coach and all their great players moving on. I think Maddie looked at it and said, are we going to be better than SDSU? No. So if I know I'm not going to play the, in the NCAA tournament anyway, I might as well go play Big Ten basketball for a year. Yeah. Whether Nebraska's going to be good or not, that's yeah. an opportunity to go play in the bright lights. And like, they did reach the NCAA tournament, and you know you finished eighth in the Big Ten, win 20 games, you're probably in the NCAA I tournament. Think, but, anyway, but I just I think it's more about like, hey, this is a chance to go play in the Big Ten for a year. If she thought the Coyotes were going to be right there again, then maybe that would have changed it. But I'm sorry, USD fans, for at least a year, yeah. SDSU is going to be a lot better. And I'm just, I'm saying this to you because you still watch a lot more of this than. I'm trying to connect the proverbial dot. Nine points a game at USD. Why did Nebraska want her, and how much is she actually going to play at Nebraska? Does Amy Williams – I know Amy's got, of course, some sort of connection well, to USD. I mean, did she USD see a was fucking in the rough, man. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah, Maddie okay. Shervin. Yeah. Or Maddie Shervin. Hannah Shervin, yes. Chloe Lamb, Liv Corngable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. who's to say that Maddie Crawl wouldn't have scored 17 points a game if she'd have been on a different team? Fair. I think she'll have a role there. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't know Nebraska's personnel or anything, yeah, I mean, I, but – yeah, I know. Yes, I know they have a couple thoroughbreds coming back. They, I mean, they were a gr pretty damn good team. USD this year. was better than Nebraska this year. Fair? Oh, yeah. She's yeah. actually going to a worse right. team in some ways <laughs> than than USD. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, Nebraska, USD or it, USD was better well, than be, Nebraska. She'd this be year. going to a worse team if those players were coming. That's back. That's what I mean. The team okay. she's leaving. Yeah. The 2022 Coyotes. We're better than Nebraska. So now what's to say about USD? Because the last time we talked about this, we just had Don's gone, and then their top three players were gone. It was the last time we convened. They will but be. They'll still be the second best team in the league. You still think that? Okay. Yeah, they'll just be right. well behind. It'll be SDSU way up here, then USD, and then everybody else. Not knowing really what any of their starters and what their coach has. That's how far ahead those two schools are from anyone else. And for anyone who missed our last discussion about this, why do you say that? It's just not that good anywhere else in the summit? No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, okay. Western Illinois was good a few yeah. years ago. They've gotten worse. NDSU looked like they were turning a corner and then took a step back. Uh, yeah. UND took a step forward this year, but there's a fine line between being able to beat all the other shitty teams in the conference and then being good enough to compete with the two South Dakota schools. All right, fair enough. And 
Let's move on to football. Unless we have anything else to talk about with basketball, do we? Did we leave anything out? Any of the hot topics? Just in the last move on two to weeks? the next thing. No, I'm just. I, <laughs> I'm just making sure we didn't leave anything out I, with you. Uh, <laughs> I just your transitions are so bad. I just try to. Give That's you shit just about because I'm like time. I've got to transition. I forgot. I got to check the list. The list. List. Okay, there it is. Spring games. Okay. Uh, yeah, because we got Byron Buxton, the Timberwolves, uh, the NFL draft. Oh wow, we're gonna have to have a speed drill here. It's gonna be like part of the interruption. Three or four minutes on every topic. Bang, bang, bang. Uh, Matt's looking at his phone. He's eager to get out of here. <laughs> and he's not. Down. Okay. Uh, all right. Takeaways from the. Uh, we'll start with the Jackrabbit spring football game. Uh, and spring football season in general. Not a whole lot. Um, you know, a lot of transition there. Several new coaches. Uh, you know, a huge graduating class because there are basically two senior classes because of the COVID year. Uh, so there's some there's some transition there. There's some new guys. Uh, offensive line is a question mark. Defensive line's a little bit of a question mark. Uh, like what I see in the secondary, I think some new guys are stepping in there. Uh, wide receiver looks really good. Running back looks good. Um, and Mark Gronowski is going to be ready to go in the fall, but they didn't want him doing anything contact-wise in the spring. So that meant a lot of reps for the other quarterbacks. Uh, Rudy Voss, a former walk-on, had surpassed Keaton Heidi, and he is now the number two. And that didn't surprise me a lot because Keaton – really seemed to regress since he started as a freshman but then the, the spring game Keaton was outstanding he really played well and so I, do, I wonder if something lit a fire under Keaton Heidi or whatever but I was kind of ready to write him off and now it looks like he is not going to give up that number two spot without a fight and you know depending on how healthy Gronowski can stay you know given how much he runs that's potentially really yeah. valuable for the Jacks so other than that, I don't know. I mean, spring games are what they are. It was nothing outstanding, and you know. Yeah. How do you like that offense versus defense point system? I don't care. I mean, it's there's really no good way to do it. I've no. never seen one where I was like, oh yeah, that's the. Way. It's just kind of dumb. So I've got a couple of good. Well, I mean, it's my my husband's ex-wife and her new husband who they're huge Notre Dame fans. Huge. They know I'm a huge Husker fan, and so they were telling me we were having beers the other night, and they were telling me how on Saturday night they were watching. The, they didn't even say Notre Dame. They're just, they thought we knew what they were talking about. Oh, we were watching the uh, the Blue and Gold game the other night. I'm like, oh, okay. Like the whole Michigan? thing. Yeah. yeah. Augustana? And, uh, and I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> Good for them, whatever. It was fine, you know. But uh, but then they were, then they asked me, well, did you, when was it? Has Nebraska the spring game yet? And like, yes. Oh, how'd it go? I'm like, I didn't see a second. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Spring football, I hate it. And uh, if I'm in – you know, full disclosure, if I'm in radio and we have segments to fill, yeah, okay, let's I, that's, talk I was just going to say, I love it from a work standpoint. Sure, it's yeah. Something, something more to, to cover. Do. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, but yeah. like, it's. But if I was a fan, I wouldn't care. Beats digging yeah. ditches, yeah. but yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Jesus, I don't, you know, Nebraska's been terrible for about seven years now, and I don't, so I'm even less interested in recruiting and uh, spring football than I than whenever I had to cover it, so I don't fucking know. And yeah. I, it's, it's always hard pro to day, take, Pro yeah. day was a lot more fun than the spring game. Sure. It always is. Of course, is. yeah. Which is a good segue into the draft. Because I think that's more interesting, obviously, than the spring game, and this should be a fun draft for us locally. Again, I mean, it's kind of—I've always—I don't know about you—I've always been one of those guys who can simultaneously enjoy the draft, but also laugh about how silly it is, what a sure. big event it has become, yeah. how it's become this cottage industry. I mean, especially now, every year I, I do research for the draft to see like what are they saying about the guys we have and the number of people out there who are trying to make a career. Out of just following the NFL draft yeah. year-round. Yes. Like, that just boggles my mind. Yeah. Uh, a guy for The Athletic did this thing called The Beast. And I subscribed to The Athletic, so I was able to download it. And he ranked, I think, 1,600 players. Whoa. The, there's only 250 okay. guys that get drafted. Oh, my God. And, I mean, he ranked 220 wide receivers. I mean, I'm, I'm I mean, not even throwing shade at the guy. After but I'm 50, just how like, are even ranking people? I I don't know. Yeah. And I, you know, the guy clearly put a lot of work into it, so I don't want to shit on him too much. Yeah. But I'm kind of like, dude, like, wh- why are you doing this? Then I thought about it. I was like, I know why he's doing it, because he wants to get hired by an NFL team. That's yeah. why he's doing it. Sure. Um, or ESPN or Fox. Right, or, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but but um, anyway, that that's kind of become one of the interesting things. about. I used to just follow the draft because I found it to be a – a unique and interesting event, and I wasn't even sure why. There was some like a curiosity about watching it, but also I'm a Vikings fan. I like to you know see who they are yeah. going to draft, and in the weeks leading up, I would read all this stuff like who are the Vikings going to take. Now I don't even I I haven't I have not read one single thing about who the Vikings might take this year. Right. 
because I've spent the entire thing looking at what are they saying about Pierre Strong and Chris Oladokun and um, uh, the linebacker, Jack Cochran for USD. I mean, those are the guys who I'm focusing on now more yeah. so than um, – and that's another really cool thing about the advancement of college football in our area, obviously SDSU and USD, but even Augustana and USF. I mean, USF has a couple guys in the NFL right now. Yeah. Augie's put guys up in there. Hey, that's CJ. Uh, yeah, and, and other guys who have come close or gotten into camps. and um, It's really fun every year when the draft comes around to be like, hey, we have guys that are going to be – like we kind of – it's almost become, a, I don't know, what, six, seven, eight years in a row now where at least somebody – from one of our schools has been in the mix now not, is someone has not gotten drafted every single year but someone's been in the mix every single year yeah. and then you know they usually get signed as a rookie free agent whatever and some of those guys make it some of them don't i mean obviously guys like cj ham and dennis gardak are really cool stories guys that didn't get drafted probably yeah. didn't come close to getting drafted and are now you know veteran millionaires in the nfl but then also you know being able to follow the dallas goddard story that year that was unprecedented for around here at least yeah. You know, oh. the last few years. I mean, his pro day was an event. You know, first first round. Like he was, he ended up not going in the first round, but we thought he might. Yeah. So you know, he was gathered around the TV with his family, just like sure. all the other people. And well, and then well, and it actually, I mean, from a pure drama and entertainment standpoint, he was even better because uh, the Eagles stole him away from the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. And, and- David Akers had the oh, hilarious. David Akers. Yeah, Dallas, yeah. God, you know, yeah. Yeah, talk shit. That was yeah, right, I think yeah. that was right after they won the NFC or the Super Bowl, probably. Yeah, it and, was. Uh, yeah, and uh, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so good. So uh, Pierre, so Pierre Strong is he the one with the best shot by the far? Highest? Okay, and how I, high? I, well, last year or two years ago, Kate Johnson was a consensus top one hundred, top one hundred and fifty guy. They were talking third, fourth round. He didn't get drafted at all. Mm, that's right. And every year, guys would say, well, this guy's going to, like, the year before that, Jordan Brown, they had said, you know, fourth, fifth round. He ended up going in the seventh. You know, Dallas Goddard, they said first round. He went in the second. Jake Winicky, they said fifth or sixth round. He didn't get drafted. Taron Christian, sixth, seventh round, didn't get drafted. Zach Zenner, fifth, sixth round, didn't get drafted. Point is, every one of these guys from around here, we – we are told they're going to get drafted here, and then they get drafted here. Um, and after Kate Johnson, so spectacular, like third or fourth round to not drafted at all, I kind of remember saying to myself, like, that's it. I'm I'm never going to fall for this again. It's like weather forecast. Yeah. It's like I, I don't know why I keep listening to these projections. So I'm very hesitant to, to put any sort of label on where I think Pierre Strong's going to go. Um, the difference is, you know, every every mock draft I've seen, the lowest I've seen him go is the sixth. The highest I've seen him is the third. Okay, um, but the difference is Pierre Strong aced his combine. He aced his pro day. Kate Johnson didn't. That's why he fell down the the, the well, rankings. Have, refresh me what happened to Kate. Well, they, it was COVID times, so oh. uh, there was no pro day for that you could publicly see anyway. Uh, um, but sucks. I was told later that he didn't do well, and that was what caused a lot of the question marks. Uh, anyway, Pierre Strong went to the combine and absolutely crushed it. Ran he had the fastest forty time of any running back in the draft, and his pro day went very well. Um, yeah, he know, looks good. He was a yeah. He was he, he <laughs> was a, a a four year very yeah. productive player. One thing that's interesting, I was telling Jen about this yesterday. Like I was reading through all these different scouting reports, and the NFL.com scouting report it had like strengths and weaknesses, and for weaknesses it said has stiff hands that will make him like not a good receiver coming out of the backfield. <laughs> and I was like, all right. You can call me a Jacks homer if you want, but I have literally watched every single football game this kid played in his career. I never saw him drop a pass, yeah. ever. Yeah. And he made that a point of emphasis during his training. On his pro day, he insisted on running routes, and he caught every single pass they threw, and some of them were difficult. The guy has great fucking hands. I kind of wanted to email this NFL.com guy and go, where the fuck did you get this from? Did you just pull it out of your ass? Just make shit up? Yeah. Like, where's that coming from? How, how did you I, – I, I guess in fairness to him, maybe some scout told him that or something. I don't know. But that just kind of made me go, where, where, you know, like some, like a lot of the criticisms are fair, you yeah. know, like isn't like Kate Johnson wasn't big enough, wasn't strong enough, you know, or Zach Zenner not fast enough, you know, all the different reasons that you say whatever to not like this guy. In Dallas Goddard's case, it was like, well, he FCS competition, we don't know how that'll translate to the NFL. But I just saw that and was like, all right, that's bullshit. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, I do think Pierre Strong is going to get drafted because he did so well in his combine yeah. and his pro day and all that, produced for four years in college. Um, 
But am I going to say, oh, yeah, he's going in the third round? No. Yeah. Because, again, I've been burned on that too many times. By the way, you saying this guy has great fucking hands, it's too bad this isn't a radio show because that's a drop right there. That's every time, <laughs> every week Matt Zimmer's on the show. That's his intro it music. It was funny that's when I, I watched his pro day very intently, and it was, and I, I said it to Pierre afterwards. I was go, is that something? He's like, yes, I wanted to make sure that I showed the scouts today that I am a good receiver. Yeah. And he did. He caught everything. One thing that I appreciate, the Dan Patrick show, I, I, I listen to still from time to time. What I love that they do, it's usually during Super Bowl week when they have all these all-timers, these Hall of Famers on. The only time of the year you're ever going to get a Hall of, you know, a Jerry Rice or something on your mm-hmm. show because they're there to promote something. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they always have uh, them read. J.J. Watt, you know, just A-listers One of the of scouting football. reports from the Yes. Yep. Oh, it's great. When they read scouting reports of how all these things that you just mentioned that were their, their shortcomings that were, you know, just a little off. Just well, a little off. I had a really interesting... Now, some it, scouting reports are true, by the way. Sure. I mean, And some guys are easier to scout than others. Yeah. And in fairness, Pierre Strong's probably tougher to scout because he is playing against a lower level of competition. Sure. Yeah. I had a very good conversation with Zach Zenner on Pro Day. He's an agent now, so he was there just watching. And uh, it was funny. When Zach was a player, he didn't like to talk too much. Now that he's an agent, he, he, oh, he was yeah. a chatterbox. We stood there and talked for about a half hour. And um, I was just asked. I wasn't interviewing him. We were just talking. And I was asking about, remember your pro day when there were four teams here and now today there was 23 or whatever? And he was kind of laughing about it. And, and he said, you know, he goes, the, the thing, you know, that I would, that I tell Mike, because obviously he's an agent now, and that I would tell anyone is teams have kind of figured out now that, you know, yeah, you can break a guy down and measure all this stuff and, you know, clock him in the 40 and look at the film and all that stuff. But he's like, the bottom line still comes down to, did you produce in college or not? And I, I don't want to quote the percentage numbers that he said, but he said something to the effect of, you know, it's 80% what you did in college, like the actual production in games, and then 10% your measurables and 10% what you do at your pro day or whatever. Now, I guess I want to be clear, I might not be exactly right on how he broke that down, whether it was like 70, 20, 10, or 80, 10, 10, but something along those lines, making it clear that teams have figured out like, you can overanalyze these guys. Yeah. Like you get so caught up in uh. how much do they weigh and how what's their wingspan and they're forty yeah. times like, can you fucking play? Yeah. You know? Can you score touchdowns? Can you yeah. throw the football? Can yeah. you tackle guys? And uh, and he was saying like that's a good thing that teams have kind of realized like and I, I think that even comes from a little bit of the, the money ball themes from baseball like mm. you know those, if you've seen the movie you see those yeah, scenes with yeah. Brad Pitt like are we selling blue jeans or are we trying to find baseball players you know like yeah yeah like can this guy play right. period yes and I think Pierre Strong is very much one of those guys like, film he yeah. can play and then again his measurables measurables are all very good because he aced his pro day film don't lie and by and and by the way uh, uh, while we're on this the um, like Katrina and the waves walking on sunshine like Huey Lewis, guilty pleasure of mine. Mm-hmm. Mel Kiper. I, if he's on a radio show, if I just happen to be listening to uh-huh. sports radio, he's on a show, or I see him on, you know, I, I watch less and less sports. But anyway, Mel Kiper's on, I'm listening. Because it's just I like, like Mel. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> this guy, the hips, the, the hips, the hands, the everything. It's like just, he's a caricature of himself, and I love it. And he's still giving you a lot of good information pro Mel about guy. people you've never heard of. It's just, he's just fun to listen to because he's like, you're, he's the he's the all-time mm-hmm. caricature of these draft guys. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's uh, there's only one. Um, speaking of big f- – oh, well, crappy transition because I don't want to make it quite yet. Any other players from the Jacks or, or local players yes, who might there get drafted? Are, there are. That's okay, what's go fun ahead. this year. Yes. Uh, Chris Oladokun has done great. Uh, he had a good pro day. He's been interviewing with a lot of teams. I know he's visited with the Chiefs, the Steelers, and I think the Bears. Uh, and Zach Lujan told me that when he went to visit with the Chiefs, they said they just wanted to talk to him for an hour or something, and he ended up being there all day. And, uh, now, does that mean the Chiefs? Get, yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, they do not have a need at quarterback. That's right setting my rabbit ears up. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, uh, I I still kind of suspect Chris won't get drafted because he seems like one of those guys that teams are like, we like this guy, but we don't want to waste a draft pick on it. Not waste, but like we'd rather if we can get him as a undrafted free agent. Yeah. That's easier. And plus, then if that does happen, Chris gets to pick where he goes. But Chris could get taken. I saw one mock draft had him in the fifth round. We'll see. <clears throat> Um, he's he's probably the second highest rated guy. Uh, the third would be Jack Cochran, the linebacker out of USD. Uh, this 
gigantic athletic list oh, yeah. that I mentioned, they had him ranked as the 30th best linebacker in the draft, okay. which would probably put him in the 6th, 7th round, maybe, area. Plus, I'm going to guess, depending on how many linebackers I don't go. know how important this is, because uh, everything you just said about can they play, what does the mm-hmm. film show, but uh, I, I'm going to guess, since a lot of these type these NFL types hadn't really seen much of him until now, mm-hmm. that you get, sometimes it does help, just like any job interview, you get in front of somebody. I'm going to guess Jack impresses people when he gets in front of them and talks to them, for what that's worth. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's but, well, all I, I, I don't know Jack, and I think I've interviewed him once. I, um, I have, and the one time I did, I'm like, okay, he's going right. to, he'll be a star in some sort of business or field he goes into. I can certainly say that's what helps Chris Oladokun. I mean, yeah. part of that's Chris Oladokun's a, a Media major, but also just his intangibles at SDSU. A media major? Media, like mass comm. Oh, media. Kind of, oh, okay, you know, okay. I thought you said um, medium major. No. I'm like, what? Um, and, you know, the way he was able to make an impact at SDSU in one year and essentially become one of the cap- – I don't think he was officially a captain, but yeah. become one of the, the leaders, the guys on that team. I guarantee you that when he gets in front of NFL personnel people yeah. and they start asking him questions – I, he knocks it out of the park. I mean, pl- he played at four colleges. He's he's seen every offense. I'm sure his football IQ is through the roof. Yeah. Then just the fact that he's a great teammate, a great dude. Like that's probably why so many teams are are very mm-hmm. interested in him. Yeah. So those are the top three. Uh, outside of that, um, there's you know other guys at SDSU. Uh, Michael Griffin, the safety, who I think had the highest vertical jump of anyone in the country this year. He's wow. in the picture. Don Gardner at corner, Aaron Johnson at tackle. Um, those are probably maybe Tolu Ogundi at defensive end. Um, then uh, I, I know USD had one other linebacker. I think his name is Dewan Cooper, who's in the in the mix somewhere. Um, Augustana's Logan Swanson, defensive tackle. He was a very okay. very good player, Division Two. He's not going to get drafted, but I think he'll get into a camp. Uh, and I saw USF's. Uh, Lee Pitts, a cornerback on some lists. He's the son of Ron Pitts. You might remember him, an NFL player from the Sounds familiar. 90s, 2000s. Um, I'm sure again, Chris Berman had a great nickname for him. <laughs> again, won't get drafted, but might get into a camp somewhere. So Pierre Strong's going to get drafted. Then Oladokun, uh, Cochran, those guys are right on the fringe. And then after that, it's going to be guys looking to get into a camp. Are all these guys locks to sign free agent uh, pickups? With Most teams? of them probably, okay. yeah. All right. You know, whether they are able to make a team, you know, yeah. that's – we see – every year we see a lot of these guys get into a camp. But, you know, you get into a camp, you got a shot. Speaking of big, strong, and fast, pops out on you on uh, tape or, you know, live action. Byron Buxton. I got two words for you, Byron Buxton. You just go right now. Eric Davis. Remember him? Oh, yeah. That's who he is. Mm-hmm. And Eric Davis might have been the greatest player ever if he could ever have stayed healthy. And that's what Byron Buxton is the same thing. I mean, uh, he, he, you know, we've seen great twin center fielders. Torrey Hunter, Kirby Puckett. Um, but this is – neither one of those guys ever played at this level. And, I mean, it's as simple right now as, you know, are the twins a good baseball team? Is Byron Buxton playing? Yes. Is Byron Buxton playing? No. Then no, they're not. I mean, it's if he's in the lineup, they're a playoff team. If he can't stay healthy, they're not going to be. Did you see the dead spin column on him? I don't uh, think so. It, oh, it, it's a dead spin column. I, I punched it up here. Uh, it's it. The headline is "Please Stay Healthy, Byron Buxton," yeah. and it's you know it, it says all the things that we know. That in it says in sixty one in the sixty one games he played last year. I'm paraphrasing. He was the best player in baseball. Yeah. And uh, so it's all like, and he kind of says. He's playing at a Mike Trout level. People bemoan or get pissed or get sad when Mike Trout gets hurt because there's there's a lot of eyes on him and he doesn't get hurt a lot. But people don't really flinch when Byron Buxton gets hurt because you kind of expect it. But here's the passage. Since you said Eric Davis, um, he said – I mean, he gave all these stats about how hard he hits the ball. He's averaging 70, 97 miles an hour on his exit velocity. He said, uh, no, uh, he says, and according to StatCast, he's already provided the Twins with two outs above the average in the field. But, of course, no one's counting on that. Buxton has never been able to stay on the field. He just provides glimpses, except those glimpses are of the most exciting player in the game. People sometimes bemoan Trout's lack of pizzazz, a lack of swagger. They wonder what more good he could do for the game if he just had a personality. Well... He'd be Byron Buxton. Yeah. The comparisons to Eric Davis have faded, mostly due to how long ago Davis was on and right. off the field for the right. Reds, but it's still the most fitting, especially with how rarely Buxton actually makes it to the post. 
Um, but I love that line about Trout's lack of pizzazz, a lack of swagger. They wonder yeah. what more he could do for the game. He'd be Byron Buxton. Yeah. Perfect. He, he's boring as hell, and that's not a criticism. He Trout. just is. Yeah. 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 And uh, I fell for it, by the way, hook, line, and sinker. Some uh, fake Twitter account had Tony LaRussa quoted as to say uh, – because Oh, I saw that. I was like, you dumbass. Yes. (laughs) I deleted it. Yes. And, you know, in Elon Musk's Twitter world, maybe I could have – no, I I sent it, so I – you know, but I can I can edit before sending. I know I fell for that. Like Tony Larusa was like he could, you know, could have hit it the other runners way on second and third. You're it's a what was it a tie game or no they, they were, were down, down by one. one. Yeah, I mean base hit scores the two winning runs. I fell for it. That but, was a uh, joke about how stupid Tony Larusa was to pitch to him in that situation. Well, three yes. one count with first base open. Yeah. So that's so yeah he's dominating. Feel the Twins went from like last to first in a, in, in, a that, in that yeah. sweep of the White Sox. Yeah. So. Again, I, I would lot, say the exact marathon. same thing I said before the season started. I feel good about the Twins. Not great, good. How do you feel about the Timberwolves? Um, those dicks. I mean, geez, they blew a 9,000-point lead in Game 3 or whatever game it was. Like, they should be up 3-1. Yeah. I mean, it's very much to their credit they came back to make it 2-2. I will say I, I was bitching about them on Facebook or Twitter or something. Sure. My cousin, who's a big Timberwolves fan, and I'm not. I haven't watched him all year. I yeah. started watching in the playoffs. Sure, me too. He texts. He texts me. He's like, "Tell me you haven't been watching the Timberwolves all year without telling me." And I was like, "No, no. I, I'm well aware that this is something they do. I know I'm not supposed to be surprised, but still, like, 26 point lead in the. I mean, they got yeah, up what in the fourth tw- quarter. Tw- like, well, it's two. They had like yeah. two 20 plus point yeah. leads that they blew. And the fact that Chris Finch just sat there with his thumb up yes. his ass through the entire thing. It's like, come <laughs> you on. You have timeouts. I don't get. That seems to be a fad. I, I, have I don't no normally, statistics to back this up. Coaches I don't, don't like to call criticize timeouts. basketball coaches too much. Yeah. Because basketball is the sport I understand the least from like an X's and O's standpoint. Yeah. But uh, I'm okay. But I did. It, Chicken taco salad. Thank you. Uh, no, I'm good. Thank you. Thank I was like, uh, I texted a couple other coaches, or like Chris Johnson and I were both bitching about it on on Twitter. Yeah. And then when I was talking to Hendo yesterday about the Baylor Shireman thing, like we just kind of were bullshitting sort of after the interview was over, and I was like, yeah, Timberwolves. And he's like, yeah. I go, all right, you're a D1 coach. Like your team is in the midst of a 25-0 run. Fucking call timeout. You could tell Hendo's like, I don't want to criticize an NBA coach. But I was like, come on. And you're he's like. Yeah, yeah, I probably would have called the timeout somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. yeah it's, um, Not that that would have necessarily well, been, you know, you know. Well, by the way, did you know he came – He Finch did come back and say he regretted not calling a timeout. But in the Isn't moment he was nice? kind of like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, at the post-game press conference, he kind of defended it. Well, there's there's clearly – Jim Suhan wrote this in the Star Tribune. The t- Well, first of all, also, these are my own words. and uh, it, it, the, the Timberwolves are right now – I mean, they are still – they're tied. We're, we're taping this before they go into game five That's with tonight, Memphis right? tonight. Yeah. So we're taping this if you're listening to it after Tuesday night. But So they're tied with Memphis, who had the second-best record in the NBA. And the Timberwolves are already looking like a team like they should be up 3-1 to one right. on the second-best team in the NBA because they actually have more collective talent than them. You know, the, the Grizzlies have basically one player. And also John this Durant. is all kind of gravy anyway. Like, it, it is, gone, no doubt. Before the series, you just said, hey, they're going to win two games. The Timberwolves You'd are like, cool. They're clearly good enough to beat anybody in the NBA. They're dumb enough to lose to anybody in the right, NBA. Right. And it, they were great fodder for Charles Barkley in each of their I was going to say, losses. it was great listening to the dumbest oh. team in the NBA. Oh, like, yeah, I, mean, but I was here for it. What they lack, I think Suhan pinpointed it well, Well, was they just lack a leader, a player leader on the floor. Yeah. And it's kind of partly by who would it be because it should be D'Angelo Russell, but he does apparently doesn't want to take it on. But he's like the sweet spot of he's kind of a veteran, but he's still kind of young. He's right. dynamic, and he's got a good – you know, he, he right. has a good visual attitude toward right. him on the floor, but he's right. not like he doesn't seem to be Edwards taking a pull. Edwards is a rookie. Cat's, Cat's a, a baby. Twelve-year-old. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah there you you Pat Beverly's it. trying to be the guy. He's I a guess, little too but, much, but he's too much. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's just too much. So yeah, they need a, a Sam Mitchell. Uh, Alfonso Ellis, you know, those yes. are the guys the old Wolves teams had that didn't have to be the best. Pl- Not that KG wasn't obviously capable of being a leader, too, but those teams all had that veteran presence that yes. was kind of the glue the glue guy. You know? Somebody to carry them to the Western Conference Finals where then they can shit themselves yeah, no kidding. and uh, have a colossal. Like I said, it's all. I, 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 I did not watch one Timberwolves game this, this entire This is fun, though, season. isn't it? These are like 120 yes. point games. Yes. I, 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 yes. Get a, I, get a, I still get a chuckle, and some it's old, it's retired or current college basketball coaches. 
every now and then, and some other old school type of people who will, you know, who who will check in and chime in just like we are. They don't watch much NBA, and they're checking in on the Timberwolves, and then they'll just shit on the NBA because they watch a game where too many timeouts are taken or bad coaching moves. And yet, a lot of players are dumb. I mean, the Timberwolves, like it was a Malik Beasley jack when they were getting barnstormed by the Grizzlies when they were coming back in that game, whatever it was, three. Yes, they looked really dumb. They had no idea what they were doing. The coach wouldn't put anything together. There were no quote-unquote plays. They were just jacking up shots. They had, Yes, we understand some NBA basketball is sloppy. Some of it is dumb, and there's a lot of flopping. But it was like these are 125 to 120 games. Wild swings. Well, just enjoy it. It's right. okay to admit you enjoy a little NBA. I was a huge, huge, huge Even NBA disciple it. like in the late 80s, early 90s, because I was at the perfect age, the Magic Bird, yeah. Jordan, all that era, and I, it was a huge part of my life. And then, like, around the mid-90s, around the time Jordan retired, it had nothing to do with Jordan retiring himself. I wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to watch because Michael Jordan doesn't play anymore. But it was around that same time that the league suddenly went under this huge sea change that you may remember, where suddenly games were like 82 to 75. Oh, yeah. And it got really bad. It was already starting in the 90s, by yes. the way. Those guys were clubbing the shit out of yes. each other. Yes. And a lot of games, because like the eight, sorry to backtrack. No, no. But like the 80s, like Magic Bird, Celtics, Lakers. You saw those 135, yeah, 128 games. all the time, yeah. especially the Western Conference. And then it was the around the time, yeah. I think probably the Bad Boys Pistons teams were what started it. it started it. But, but all still, of a sudden, yeah. It was still palatable in the 90s. It was because there were so many superstars. Mm-hmm. We were kind of almost, not blind, but we... We were able to. We weren't even. Not- they were such superstars. We weren't noticing. They were beating the shit out of each other. Right. It was not beautiful basketball, but it was still great basketball. And then yes, and but then, then in the, 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 so what I'm getting at is yeah. so all of a sudden mid '90s, even late '90s, like I'm like you know what? I don't want to watch these te- seven. There were I don't remember how many games where neither team even got to 80 points. The Spurs like, versus the Nets. Co- these were college scores. Yeah. You know, you would see NBA games with the final score yeah. of 74 to 66. Yeah. Yep. And I just remember, like, I'm not here for this. If I wanted to watch college basketball, I would. Right. And I just stopped watching the NBA. Yeah. Now, I've made you know, exceptions for the Timberwolves at times, especially when they made their big run sure. with KG. But then when, when KG got traded, I was kind of was a Celtics fan for one year, and then that was that. Sure. And, and it's funny. I've always kind of said, like, oh, the NBA looks good again. I should get back into it, and I just never do. And when the Wolves made the play, like, I saw all year that the Wolves were having a good season. And I was like, ah, it looks like they're actually, hey, this coach seems to have figured it out. And Anthony Edwards, wow. there's Still didn't watch him. But when the playoffs started, I was like, all right, I'm going to make myself sit down and watch the Timberwolves. And what was the score of the first game? Like 132 to 127 or something? And it kind of finally sort of dawned on me. Like, this is what I used to like about this league. Like, this was the NBA that I liked. I should be watching more of this. Yeah. I mean, what's fun about it is, is when the teams can explode for that many points, no lead is too safe or too sacred. Your team has a chance. And it's. Scored at the end of the first quarter, 42 to 36. Yeah. Instead of 19 to 14. Bring it on. You know? Like, yeah. yeah, It's not. Give me more of that. Yeah. It's not smart, great, fundamental basketball. Sometimes, Sometimes I do a appreciate a good college game or whatever uh, where everything looks a lot more aesthetically pleasing as basketball should be but fuck it's just like just allow yourself to enjoy it and admit and, and admit it if you enjoy it I don't want to watch coaches all. coach I want to watch players play thank you yeah. yes there we go yeah. uh, are you going to stay on Twitter with Elon Musk coming in are you going to jump I ship I don't give a shit yeah okay yeah <laughs> Uh, I, I have no reaction to that whatsoever. <laughs> I think the people who are mad about it and the people that are really happy about it are the same person to me. Like, they're t- two sides of the same coin. Crazy people on e- either either end of the spectrum. Try to think about doesn't that doesn't affect one. my life. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I actually, the one thing that I'll take from it is thank you for a lot, because he's allowing you to, uh, the, to, to, to erase your mistakes. What's he allowing? Edit button. Yeah, he's allowing uh, I don't know if that's going to work because of how people retweet and quote tweets and stuff. Like That would kind of turn it into Facebook. That's true. I, I guess, guess once you throw it out there, it's it, it could be for somebody, conceivably for anybody, to screenshot, and yeah. it still has permanence. But um, I don't yeah. think he's going to do it. He said he would, but then I, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I don't care. I'll say that. Like I said, I don't care if it. I don't care if he changes it or you know yeah. lets a bunch of right-wing trolls back on there, whatever. whatever. But if it becomes so terrible that, like, that Twitter goes in the toilet and I never have to do it anymore. That wouldn't make me sad either. No, me either. <laughs> I had one spell in my life after I got laid off from from my job from Sports Talk Radio, 
And of course, that gave me a lot of free time. And mm-hmm. I spent the first several days spent way too much fucking time because I had it, mm-hmm. just scrolling on Twitter, mm-hmm. finding shit to read and laugh at, and also get pissed off about reacting to it. And then, you know, sometimes as you and I will do with each other, privately message my friends, look at this shit over here, mm-hmm. look at this mm-hmm. guy over mm-hmm. there, and then like, wow, this is uh, I've got this boatload of free time. And it's summer. I could be doing anything else but this. <laughs> and so I, I was. I, I, I'm not going to lie and say I was totally off of it. I just quit it cold turkey for two weeks. But what I did do is like I allowed myself once a day, like check it and like the and don't scroll. Just like the first thing that pops up, look at it. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. But that's it. It was a high quality of life. It was a nice life. I miss that life. But you yeah. know, whatever. I'll probably I still tweet do it. like a moron. I, I often ask well, myself, yeah, we, like, yeah. in this business, we I have to do fired, it. I got fired, like, how long would I stay on Twitter? Yeah. I would probably start up, like, a, a fake burner account. And, okay. Yeah. No, I'm, you wouldn't get, you couldn't resist it. You've got too many great, smart-ass things to say. That was what, I, I deleted my old Twitter account. It was the one where I used to say all the smart-ass shit. Yeah. I was just like, why? Why Why do I, why am I doing this when I don't have to? Hmm. And I, like, people that obsess about how many followers they have like jesus get a so, life so you're being a lot more uh selective i mean I, I guess but it's not even that it's just like i only do it because i have to i mean like i'm like you sometimes you know i, I find good things to read by yeah. certain you it's know a slight and, addiction i'm bored here we'll check twitter yeah 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 it's, it's my morning newspaper basically yeah. you know you open up the app and scroll to look for whatever but I wouldn't miss it if it was gone. All right. I'd miss you if you were gone. Would you miss me if I was gone? I wouldn't miss you on Twitter. I mean, we could still get together and, and do a podcast or go have beers or whatever. But <laughs> I didn't ask you if you'd miss me on Twitter. Okay, well, I was making, <laughs> making a... No, I just meant if you were gone, if you were dead or whatever. If you died, John, I would miss you very much. Okay, yes. thank you. Uh, me too. And uh, you've got a homework assignment for next... Well, not a homework assignment. Your assignment for next week is you'll do all the transitions for our next show. <laughs> okay. Got it? Okay. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. You guys need a round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.